This program is brought to you by Israel Restoration Ministries. What are you doing Sunday nights? Come join Friendship with God radio Bible teacher Tom Cantor of the Friendship with God Fellowship Church every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at The Vine at 9336 Abraham Way, Santee, California. Watch and listen live around the world to Tom Cantor Sunday evening on YouTube.com by searching for Friendship with God Fellowship or by going to our homepage at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. Welcome to Friendship with God with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Today's message and previous messages can be listened to or downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. You can also obtain free resources from Tom Cantor and view our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org or call us at 800-247-3051. That's 800-247-3051. Tom Cantor also has a daily devotional verse that comes out each day by email and on Facebook. To receive this small daily devotional verse that Tom Cantor puts out, you can sign up at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. Or find Tom Cantor on Facebook by searching for Tom Cantor and Friendship with God. Now, here's our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Okay, let's look to the Lord. Father, speak now to our hearts. We're waiting before you. We're quiet before you. We're expecting to hear from you a word, Lord, that we need. We need because of what has happened to us in the past, what may be happening to us now, or what is going to happen to us. And you're faithful. So give us the word that we need today in Jesus' name. Amen. If you turn in your Bible, please, to Ruth chapter 3. Ruth chapter 3, verse 1. It's page 377, if you have the same Bible I do. Uh, Ruth, chapter 3, and verse 1. A little hard to find, but if you've come to Samuel, you came too far. All right? And if you come to Judges, you haven't gone far enough. So, Ruth, chapter 3. Let's uh, please follow along here as I read. Then Naomi, her mother-in-law, said unto her, My daughter, shall I not seek rest for thee? that it may be well with thee. And now is not Boaz of our kindred, with whose maidens thou wast? Behold, he winnoweth barley tonight in the threshing floor. Wash thyself, therefore, and anoint thee, and put thy raiment upon thee, and get thee down to the floor. But make not thyself known unto the man until he have done eating and drinking. And it shall be, when he lieth down, that thou shalt mark the place where he shall lie, and thou shalt go in and uncover his feet, and lay thee down, and he will tell thee what thou shalt do. And she said unto her, All that thou sayest unto me, I will do. Now, so far, I know it's been a long time since we've been in the book of Ruth. So, so far, what we've seen in Ruth is how a man, Eli Melech, was faced with famine in his own country there in Israel, and he decided to take his family, which consisted of his wife, Naomi, their two sons, and leave their city of Bethlehem, leave their people of Israel, and go to the foreign enemy land of Moab for what they all hoped would be a brighter future. 
And we saw how it was just one death after another that just tragically reduced this family to poverty. First, the husband dies, Eli Melech, and and the family wonders, how are we ever going to survive without a father? Then the two sons found wives among the Moabites. Things were looking up. They tries to get themselves above the circumstances there. But then again, death strikes two more times as the first son dies. Then the second son dies. And finally, Naomi finds herself a widow, impoverished, the mother of two dead sons, and all she's got left are these two Moabite daughters-in-laws. Very dark, very bleak for her. And we watched as Naomi's spirit just was crushed as she thought that God was against her, that God was holding up her sins in front of him, and he was testifying against her because of her sins. And we saw how Naomi felt that all she could do was just to crawl her way back to Bethlehem with nothing. And we saw how Naomi then turns and discourages her two Moabite daughters-in-law from going with her to Bethlehem because she's convinced that she's only going to ruin their lives if they follow her. And the best thing they can do is just get as far away as they could from her. And so, and we saw how Naomi was successful in discouraging one of her Moabite daughters-in-law, Orpah, from going with her back to Bethlehem. And we sadly watched that. We sadly watched Orpah make that decision, turn back to her people, turn back to her gods. What a tragedy that was for us to watch. But then we saw how Naomi, the other Moabite daughter-in-law, could not be discouraged, that Naomi was not going to be able to discourage Ruth, the Moabite daughter-in-law, And we saw how Naomi had no idea of the treasure that she had in her daughter-in-law. Ruth did not realize this. I mean, Naomi, sorry, she didn't realize this, what she had in Ruth. And later, she'd come to see this truth. At the end of the book, we're going to read about this. When others will say to Naomi about Ruth in Ruth chapter 4, 14, Ruth 4, 14. And the women, this is the women of Bethlehem, They said unto Naomi, Blessed be the Lord, which hath not left thee this day without a kinsman, that his name may be famous in Israel, and he shall be unto thee a restorer of thy life and nourisher of thine old age for thy daughter-in-law. That's Ruth. For thy daughter-in-law, which loveth thee, is better to thee than seven sons. Now, we saw how Ruth, she just really broke through all the obstacles that was in front of her. She had obstacles. She was going to leave her people. She had to overcome the prejudice when she came into Israel, that it was all this prejudice against her. But all of that, she pressed through in her decision to take action. She was going to be active in loving Naomi and staying with Naomi until death, as she put it in Ruth chapter 116, the statement of her resolve. Ruth said, Entreat me not to leave thee, or to return from following after thee. For whither thou goest, I will go. Where thou lodgest, I will lodge. Thy people shall be my people, thy God my God. Where thou diest, I will die, and there will I be buried. The Lord do so to me, and more also, if aught but death part thee and me. So we saw how those were just, they weren't just words. 
that Ruth had said, but those were words that she put into action. And that's what we've been seeing here is the outplay of her resolve. And this action was crystallized as we saw her enter into Bethlehem. And Naomi, I mean, there was these two. Here was Naomi. She was weak. She was bitter. She was crushed in spirit. And here was, by contrast, Ruth. She was strong. She was vibrant. She was hopeful. She was determined. She's going to take care of Naomi. So that's how chapter 2 opened for us, where we saw Ruth taking care of Naomi. But when we see this in chapter 2, really we can see something here, which is Ruth taking the initiative to take care of Naomi. That's how this opening of chapter 2 really is. It's so significant when we read this in the second verse of chapter 2. Ruth the Moabitess said unto Naomi, let me now go to the field and glean ears of corn after him in whose sight I shall find grace. She said unto her, go my daughter. So when we look at Ruth there, what she did for Naomi, we can see this phrase emerge from what Ruth did for Naomi. And the phrase is, Ruth took the initiative of care. She took the initiative of care. It's so easy for us to see all these needs all around us of everyone and and do nothing about it. But what a challenge it is for us to look around us for needs and for us to follow Ruth and do what she did. Take the initiative of care. I'm sure when Russ was back in Minnesota and he went to that rest home there, I know Russ, he took the initiative to go find that classmate of his and the others and to speak to them about the Lord Jesus Christ as he did to the 16-year-old sitting next to him on the plane. That's taking the initiative of care. And so chapter 2 opens with us with this scene of Ruth and Naomi both reduced to nothing. They had nothing, but they had each other. And Ruth was stronger than Naomi. So Ruth took the initiative of care to take care of Naomi. So she asked Naomi, can I please have permission so I can go out into the field and glean the the ears of corn? It's a beautiful picture for us in chapter 2, in verse 2, where we read, And Ruth the Moabitess said unto Naomi. These words, you know, the way God constructs these verses for us, it's emphasizing to Ruth, not her flesh and blood, Ruth, the Moabitess, says these things. It's beautiful because it's a picture of Ruth, the stronger one, taking care of Naomi, the weaker one. Beautiful picture here of what it means in Romans 15.1. In Romans 15.1, where it says, we then that are strong ought to bear the infirmities of the weak and not to please ourselves. That's a verse that describes the initiative of care. There was Naomi. She's weak. She's discouraged, she's depressed, she's blaming God, and she says these horrible things in chapter 1, verse 20, chapter 120, when she says unto them, call me not Naomi, call me Mara, bitterness, for the Almighty hath done bitterly with me. I went out full, and the Lord hath brought me home again empty. Why then call you me Naomi, which means pleasantness, seeing the Lord hath testified against me, and the Almighty hath afflicted me. If we were Ruth, If we were Ruth and we heard her say that, what would we have heard? I mean, this is pretty shocking. You know, she said, I came in, now I have nothing. And what's Ruth supposed to say? Well, what am I, chopped liver? I mean, she's there with her. I mean, Ruth really, you know, Ruth could have dropped her head. She didn't do this, thank God. But she could have dropped her head in shame and said a word to Naomi. 
But she didn't do this. But she could have rebuked Naomi and said, a fine believer you are. I mean, you're the one who tells me about God, and now you're blaming God. I mean, you're a disgrace with the name of God. What kind of a testimony are you to these people that you're meeting again in Bethlehem? She didn't do that. I mean, what Ruth did was beautiful. She said nothing about Naomi's harsh words that were against God. It was as if we could almost see Ruth acting as though she never even heard it. I didn't hear it. I didn't hear it. Just clung to the bright side. Oh, Naomi, she's just in a rut temporarily. She'll come out of it. And it's dead. Ruth realized that Naomi was in great need, and Ruth committed herself to helping Naomi in that need. Ruth was strong, Naomi was weak, and strong Ruth bore the infirmities of weak Naomi. Ruth was young, Ruth was beautiful, Naomi was old, Naomi was wrinkly, and if Ruth had decided to please herself, then Ruth would have seen all those handsome young men when she came there to Israel and said, well, things are looking up. You know, I can marry one of them. And they get taken care of instead of wasting my life taking care of this old, complaining, bitter Naomi. Now, she didn't do that, and that's the beauty of this. And if Ruth had done that, she would have pleased herself. But Ruth sacrificed herself, and she sacrificed her own interest to take care of Naomi. And what Ruth did for Naomi, it just stands for us like a monument, an example of what we should do to those who are discouraged, to those who are weak in faith, as it says in Romans 14.1, Romans 14.1, him that is weak in faith, receive ye. In Isaiah 35.3, Isaiah 35.3, the command, strengthen ye the weak hands, confirm the feeble knees, say to them that are of a fearful heart. Be strong, fear not. Your God will come with vengeance, even God with vengeance. He will come and save you. Then the eyes of the blind shall be open, and the ears of the deaf shall be unstopped. So in chapter two, what we've seen here is how Ruth stronger was taking care of Naomi the weaker. Now, we come to chapter three. That was chapter two. Now we come to chapter three. And in the first verse, we read these words. Then Naomi, her mother-in-law, said unto her, my daughter, shall I not seek rest for thee that I may be well with thee? This is great. This is great because now it's not Naomi who's weak. What we see here is that Naomi is recovered and Naomi is now taking care. Now it's Naomi who's taking the initiative of care for Ruth. Now it's Naomi taking the initiative of care for Ruth. This is wonderful because Ruth has helped her. She's recovered. Ruth took the initiative of care. Naomi has recovered. Now Ruth is a little weak. Naomi's stronger. She's taking the initiative of care. So the first thing that Naomi does when she takes this initiative of care, verse 1, is she says to Ruth, she calls her, my daughter. Those are such sweet words. I mean, Ruth must have just said, oh, I love it when you say that. My daughter. I mean, we've seen this before, but here we see it again. Don't miss in verse 1 how our writer, our narrator, God through somebody, wrote this this history for us, and he's emphasizing to us in verse 1 Naomi's relationship to Ruth when it says Naomi, her mother-in-law. That's a clear message behind that. It's written in verse 1 when it says, Then Naomi, her mother-in-law, said unto her, My daughter. 
You know, Naomi is identified as Ruth's mother-in-law, but the fact that Naomi is Ruth's mother-in-law has already been stated for us five times in this book, in verse 11, in verse 18, verse 19, verse 23, over and over. So clearly we know that Naomi is Ruth's mother-in-law. But it's stated here to emphasize, it's again emphasized in verse 1, that Naomi is Ruth's mother-in-law. It's set as a backdrop so that when she calls Ruth my daughter, it's like, wow, she's not seeing it as a mother-in-law part, the in-law part. Naomi was not caring for Ruth as a daughter-in-law, but she was caring for Ruth as a daughter. You know, I mean, that's the old joke about the, the oncology doctor says, you know, would you give this chemotherapy to your mother? Would you give it to your mother-in-law? So anyway, but Naomi is pushing aside the daughter-in-law part and embracing Ruth as her daughter. And that's a message for us. That's a message for us. Why? Because we have a closer bond to other believers, ourselves, and not only ourselves, other believers in the Lord Jesus Christ than we do to the person who's not a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ. That bonds should cause us to cross the barriers. That's the other phrase in this book. Initiative of care, now cross the barriers. So I remember when I was in Ethiopia one time, and this group had come through, and they were doing evangelism, and there was this woman there, and she was black, and she said that she was she was a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, and she said, you know, and she was Jew. She was Jewish. She was black. And I told her, I said, I didn't know I had a black sister, you know. So anyway, but the point is that you cross the barriers of outward differences, such as skin color. You know, this is the phrase, cross the barriers of outward differences. When it comes to believers in the Lord Jesus Christ, God is colorblind. God is colorblind, and so should we be. And that's what Naomi did for Ruth. Naomi crossed the barrier of national origin, and she no longer saw Ruth as a Moabite, even though it's emphasized for us by the narrator here about Naomi. She doesn't see her as a Moabite, and she doesn't see her as her daughter-in-law. She sees her as her own daughter. So it's very significant in verse 1. Naomi, her mother-in-law, said unto her, my daughter, we see Naomi here. She's crossing the barrier of outward differences to love Ruth as her own daughter. And so Naomi's crossed this barrier of outward differences, and she takes the initiative of care. Now, from Naomi's next words, we see what it looks like. What does it look like when a person like Naomi crosses the barrier of outward differences and takes the initiative of care for Ruth? Well, it looks like verse 1. Shall not I seek rest for thee that it may be well with thee? See, Naomi's statement, shall not I seek rest from thee? We can see that Naomi has found a particular, particular need in Ruth. And Naomi's now going to give herself to meeting that need, that particular need in Ruth's life. You know, this shows us something about Naomi. This shows us that Naomi has been doing something that every mother and every father should do. Naomi has been carefully studying Ruth. Naomi has made Ruth her constant study. Naomi has been watching Ruth. She's been watching Ruth and observing her personality. She's been observing her feelings. She's come to the conclusion, oh, Ruth really needs a home of rest. 
And when we see how Naomi has studied Ruth, taking the initiative of care, she's studying Ruth, crossing the, the barrier of outward differences, looking at her as her daughter. She's studying Ruth. We see what every mother, every father should do with their children, and that is make every child in their family an individual study. An individual study of a person doesn't just get done at a glance. It's an individual study of a person takes time to spend with the individual. It takes time to talk with the individual. It takes time to think about the individual. It's so rare today. It's so rare. Who does this? It's so rare today because all this we're talking about, time to spend, time to talk, time to think about, that's a costly sacrifice. But this is the sacrifice that Naomi has made for Ruth and she made Ruth her individual study. And so this is the third phrase that emerges for us out of the book of Ruth. Make a person an individual study. Our children are all different. And if we're going to cross the barrier to take the initiative of care with our children, then we're going to make our children individual studies, as Naomi did, to see the particular needs for each one as individuals. And that's not only true of our children, it's true of the lost. Think of our master. Think of the Lord Jesus Christ and how in the ultimate sense, he crossed the barrier between heaven and earth. And how in the ultimate sense, he took the initiative of care. And how he made each one of us his individual study to provide just what we needed. That's why when we study the Gospels, we don't see the Lord Jesus Christ saying the same thing to each person. Why? Because he's made each person his individual study. He made an individual study of one person, and he looked at this person, and as he individually studied him, he said, this individual is trusting in his riches rather than God. Therefore, to that one purpose, after his individual study of that person, he says to him in Mark 10.21, Mark 10.21, then Jesus beholding him. Hey, let's think of those words like he made him his individual study. Then Jesus beholding him loved him and said unto him, one thing thou lackest, go thy way, Sell whatsoever thou hast, and give to the poor, and thou shalt have treasure in heaven, and come, take up thy cross, take up the cross, and follow me. He made an individual study of the person and said what he met his need with those words. He made an individual study of another person who he saw had no compassion on those in need. This was a person who was compassionless of those in need. So after he makes this individual study of this person, he says to this person, he constructs a whole parable. Well, I don't even think it's a parable. Actually, it was a true account. He tells a true account in Luke 10.33, Luke 10.33, and he says, to you, I want to tell you about who's a good neighbor. A certain Samaritan, as he journeyed, came where he was, and when he saw him, he had compassion on him. He went to him, bound up his wounds, poured in oil and wine, set him on his own beast, brought him to an inn, took care of him. And on the morrow when he departed, he took out two pence and gave them to the host and said unto him, take care of him. And whatsoever thou spendest more when I come again, I will repay thee. Which now of these three thinkest thou was neighbor unto him that fell among the themes? He said, he that showed mercy on him. Then said Jesus unto him, go and do thou likewise. 
Another wonderful day studying the Bible with our Bible teacher Tom Cantor here on Friendship with God. Don't forget that today's message and previous messages can be listened to and downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. You can also go online to find free resources from Tom Cantor and our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org. You can also find Tom Cantor on Facebook, and you can also go to friendshipwithgod.org to sign up for his daily devotional. Tom Cantor is also the founder of Israel Restoration Ministries. You can visit that website at israelrestoration.org. You can write to Tom Cantor at P.O. Box 711330, Santee, California 92071. That's P.O. Box 711330, Santee, California 92071. Or email Tom Cantor at tomcantor at friendshipwithgod.org. That's tomcantor at friendshipwithgod.org. For more information about Tom Cantor and Friendship with God and Israel Restoration Ministries, call us at 800-247-3051. That's 800-247-3051. What are you doing Sunday nights? Come join Friendship with God radio Bible teacher Tom Cantor of the Friendship with God Fellowship Church every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at The Vine at 9336 Abraham Way, Santee, California. Watch and listen live around the world to Tom Cantor Sunday evening on YouTube.com by searching for Friendship with God Fellowship or by going to our homepage at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. This program is brought to you by Israel Restoration Ministries.